Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins. Joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. And B. Scott, it is a monumental day in the history of the Crash Course Podcast. Uh, because for the first time, we are doing a live recording together. I did a Facebook Live one time. I think it was the podcast after Jillian was born. Um, so I did a live one then. But this is the first official live Crash Course podcast. Um, so really excited to bring this to you guys. Um, we're going to be breaking down the Major League Baseball season. Uh, by the way, we're live on YouTube if you're on the audio version right now. So if you're checking us out at, uh, on Anchor or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um this is um um this is currently uh on our youtube channel if you want to check us out there um so yeah we are here we're ready to go um for the first ever uh crash course podcast uh live recording b scott it's a monumentous day yes it is uh no screwing up this time we can't uh go back and start over so (laughs) exactly it's it's screw it we'll do it live right in the in the the famous words of samuel l jackson hold on to your butts (laughs) dude the jurassic park stuff i I dig it i love it um so uh yeah we're gonna be talking major league baseball today we're gonna be diving into the uh you know previewing the 2020 mlb season uh we will be diving into you know some of the stuff that's gone on or that's kind of cropping up here before we get going here uh, in terms of Blue Jays. Um, we're going to talk about, um, you know, getting, you know, what, who we think is going to be kind of the contenders and pretenders from each region. And we're also going to kind of follow up what we did last week uh, with uh, the all-decade stuff for football, only this time, obviously, we're going to be doing it uh, for baseball. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get into it, though, B. Scott, how have you been? Uh, are you ready for live sports because they return this week? I, I, I've, I've, um, I've kind of, it still feels a little surreal because it's no fans, but Hey, you know what? It's been four months. This is the podcast we were going to do the week that everything shut down (laughs) is our MLB preview. And here we are about like what, four months later, ready to ready to hop back into it. Hey, as you know, for me, live sports started already about a month or so ago with uh with auto racing going back getting back on track and uh hey i actually went to a race this past weekend so all is well in my world yes things slowly returning to normal although we still have a long way to go um but you know you know as our title says for this podcast it's a sprint not a marathon for major league baseball normally you know we get going in april and we have all the way until the end of September to kind of figure things out. Instead, it's going to be a 60-game sprint. And it all starts July 23rd between the Yankees and uh, the Nationals. Uh, that's going to get underway. So Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer to start things off. Can't get uh, any better than that. Then you've got the Giants and Dodgers later on that night. Uh, I don't know if Kershaw is going to be the opening day starter. But what I'm excited for as well um, is that you're going to have Johnny Cueto, who's making his return from Tommy John surgery. So we all remember how electric Johnny Cueto can be. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then um, uh, and then opening day for the rest of the teams happens on July 24th. Everybody kicks off. And then from there, then on, it's a sprint until September 27th. Um, that's when the season will end and we'll get into the playoffs. So 
Um, it's going to be very exciting, and I'm really, uh, you know, excited to get the season underway. Uh, but there's still a little bit of uncertainty. We, we fought through all the – well, we didn't, but we, we watched it play out with all the stuff with the labor dispute and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, trying to see what was going to actually happen. Well, one team's actually still kind of figuring things out, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays, as they were told over the weekend that Canada basically is not going to let them back in. They're like, okay, you had your summer camp. Uh, and now get the heck out, go back to the U.S., figure things out because, um, you know, they're not going to be allowed, which, I mean, which is understandable. I mean, from the standpoint of I don't know uh, how Canada has done through the whole COVID crisis. I feel like they've done fairly well. Yeah, so I was like, I, I can't imagine they've done poorly, or even if they had, they'd probably like, we don't want to make it worse. You know, and it's um, not that big of a surprise. You have a lot of – countries that are shutting their borders down to Americans because right now the U.S. is the highest has the highest total cases day in and day out so it's not that surprising that Canada has come out and said this to the Blue Jays one we don't want you coming and going and two we don't want other teams coming and going as well um, with all the uncertainty going on in the United States so it makes total sense for me I just I, I feel like obviously the 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 best possible scenario for them is some some college opening up saying, Hey, we're struggling financially right now because of everything being shut down. So if you pay us X amount of dollars, you can use our baseball stadium right here in the U S I, I could see that potentially happening. So right now, uh, the, uh, two, when I read the article or an, an article about it, it gave two possible destinations. Um, it gave Dunedin, Florida, which is their spring training facility which they've said is 100% ready to go, which makes sense because they had spring training games there. I can't imagine they, you know, tore everything down after everything was done. I mean, probably somewhat, but, you know, I'm, I'm still sure it's not completely, you know, unusable now. Normally I think they have regular uh, games during the season as well. I think they, that's like one of the affiliates of the Blue Jays as well. Um, and then you've also got uh, another possibility is Buffalo, New York. Of course, the Buffalo Bison. That's the AAA facility, which I've been, you know, which said in the article it was not up to 100% MLB standards. So that's interesting in the sense that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of pick your, pick your poison because you either go to a place that is not up to MLB standards in Buffalo, although it's close as far as proximity goes. But then you could also, if you go to a, you know, go to a Florida location, that's now three teams coming from the hotbed of COVID. of COVID, yeah. Where and a team that's going to have to play down there um, is the Yankees. Now I'm not saying that just because obviously they care about all 30 teams. But I'm just saying well, that, not just the Yankees, the Yankees, the Braves, the Nationals, right. You've Those got right, teams, right there, there's three contenders right off the bat that right, are going to have to go down there. Oh, and the Rays, by the way. There's Rays. four. Yeah. So you're, you have four teams that are going to be in the playoff um, chase, um, and yet uh, you've got four teams that are going to be in the playoff chase, um, and they're going – yeah, they're going to have to go in and out of the – basically the hotbed of, uh, of coronavirus. So that's pretty crazy. Here's my um, solution. I have a solution. End all, be all, right here. The Toronto Blue Jays temporarily move to Indianapolis and play at Victory Field. 
Hey. That is a ballpark that has been named the number one minor league ballpark year after year. It's up to MLB standards. It was actually built to a, a potentially expand to uh, host a major league baseball team, a matter to become a major league team stadium. Uh, a matter of fact, a major league team has played there. We've talked about that before when the Cincinnati Reds came and they played against the Indianapolis Indians in an exhibition game. I'm just saying. Yeah, the I mean, it's the is open and it's been hosting some baseball here in the past week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a good one. It's yeah. it's it's and Indiana's not a, a COVID hotbed right now. So, I if that if that were to happen, I would mask up and I would stand. I would park myself <laughs> at that stadium all day, especially when the Red Sox are in town. Well, easy, oh, you better J- believe we'll get a we'll get a room in the Marriott. We'll get a room in the JW. Yeah, I mean that's simple as that. Yeah, there we go. Um, but no, and also like the thing is too is that um, there also has been speaking of the Indians. The obviously they're affiliated with the Pirates, and that's another option as well. Is that they've been in talks with possibly PNC Park, which that could work. I mean, I don't know how the schedule works with them be being. Tough. I feel yeah. like that would be kind of tough because you got to kind of you know you're you have two teams sharing the same facilities and that kind of thing. So so like. If something from, happens, from essentially different bubbles, right? Well, because you also have the situation where, if, uh, like if someone like let's say Cole Tucker from the Pirates, you know, is diagnosed with coronavirus, then does that mean that the Blue Jays now also? I mean, I would imagine that that would cause issues with the Blue Jays now. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's just there's a lot of things to be worked out. In my opinion. From just kind of a reactionary point of view, I would say Buffalo is your best option. I don't know. If because it's not up to MLB standards. I mean, if, if it's going to be like a park that you're just – these guys are just going to be hitting home run after home run after home run on fly balls out of there. Well, it's still AAA. I mean, it's not as if it's yeah, some – they're not playing like a high school. Standards. Why is it not up to MLB standards? I think it – I read something about the lighting. Okay. Like the lighting is not, yeah, it's not like the, it's, it's not like 220 to the, to the, to the short part right. of the ball field. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's still, I still think that the dimensions are not, I mean, cause remember they play at Williamsport one, I mean, it's one game a year, but they play at Williamsport as well. Um, so, well, I mean, they just play at Williamsport. That's also a possibility. That's, you know, cause I, I, because originally I was going to say that, like, oh, well, you don't want to send a team that far away, but then I remembered that you have the Rays in Florida, you know, Rays in uh, uh, Marlins. Marlins also coming from Florida. And so, yeah, you don't – you either, it's, you know, you either send a team to the hotbed or you go to not MLB standards. And I would see exactly how not close to MLB standards the lighting is because, again, AAA still played there. So, you know right. – They have to play – they need light at night. Yeah, I don't – Unless I don't they know. don't play many night games there. I don't know. I like your victory field idea. You also have, like, the Toledo Mud Hens who have a AAA ballpark. I'm still surprised that an SEC school has not stepped up and said, hey, they can play here. I mean, they're not playing right now. They, they can't even – they're not even practicing right now. Right. So why isn't, like, a South Carolina or a Georgia stepping up? I mean, that's a great in-between right there. Right. Yeah. Clemson. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of really good baseball programs down there that have nice baseball facilities. Why? I don't, I mean, I don't know, especially if you could get some money from the blue Jays to rent out your facility to them. Uh, last time I checked, 
athletic departments were having to lay people off because of this COVID stuff. So how about get a little bit of a boost that other, other departments aren't getting because you just rented out your facility. Right. But yeah. at the same time, they also would need to protect themselves to get their students back on campus. So it, there's like, it, there's just so many different things that you have to think about with this. That's why I think honestly, the best bet is a triple a ballpark. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they feel like they can be safely be down in Florida at their uh, spring training facility, by all means, go with that. Go with something you're comfortable with. Cause it's just like playing at home, someplace that you're comfortable that you, you know, and it gives you that advantage um, rather than going to some different place. And, you know, the mound feels different or, you know, there's all sorts of things that go into that type of those types of decisions and that comfort zone. So yeah, if you're going to, if you want to go somewhere comfortable, I totally get that, but because you're already going to have to go to Florida several times anyways if you're the Blue Jays, so might as well just hunker down there. Right. But like I said, you also have, you know, 30 – I mean, you're going to at least have 30 game, thirty more games that are going to involve – I mean, really that's only like what, like maybe four, three or four extra games per team, so it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah. But so, I mean, yeah, I could see that. I mean – And it's also – it is less tra- – like – officially less yeah. travel you have three teams you have those teams bunched up with each other it makes it it makes the travel portion for other teams a lot easier especially considering you don't have as much much downtime between series now right yeah all good stuff all fair points um so yeah i i would i would lean more towards buffalo but you make a good point with being familiar with the with the park and also the fact that everything's closer together like you if you when the marlins and jays play it's not going to be as far away like you said so you know and when they play the rays so i'm 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 with you on that it'll be interesting to see what they do like i said i've seen pnc floated around which is weird um um and and you know we have we have our first interaction with uh with with chat right now uh pam collins mama collins my mom's watching hi mom what's up Oh uh, no! Uh, she said the mounds are going to be different in away games anyway, which is a fair point. I mean, you know, obviously you have well, to. Well, get- that's the thing; they are different in away games. It is a fair point, but when you look at it as a as a as, when you're playing at home, that is your comfort zone. So right. something someplace that you're comfortable. I mean, and that gives you a slight edge because of your comfort zone there. Right. Uh, it's like going on the road. It's not easy to go on the road and play, whereas playing at home or playing someplace that you're comfortable at gives you it gives you you don't have that uneasy feeling yeah and, and especially I, I mean, right now any type of advantage that you can get is a big advantage because you don't have the crowd noise behind you now for a team like the blue jays or the rays that doesn't really matter they're used to playing in front of practically nobody but it's you know it it, it still is any type of advantage that you can get like when you're technically having a home game yeah, well, I mean, you know, see, I've seen some of the games that they've had, some of the Blue Jay games that they've had, and their their crowds, no matter how big or small, get pretty ruckus. So they're definitely going to miss that this season. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, but before we get into the breakdown of the 2020 MLB season, let's go ahead and get a quick word from Anchor. So let's go ahead and get into uh, the the podcast that's been four months <laughs> in the making and that is the preview for 2020. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Well, I, uh, I broke it down by region because uh, in, in case you need a refresh for this season, each team will be playing uh, basically teams from their corresponding, you know, division. So AL East versus NL East, uh, AL Central versus NL Central, AL West versus NL West. So um, it's kind of – I like it. I kind of like it. I kind of do too. It, it makes it – like because when I was going through, I was like, man – are some of these teams like like it's it's going to be tough across the board? It's not balanced like you're used to. I mean, you know, they're gonna, you know, it's kind of hard to discern like who's going to keep beating up on each other and that kind of stuff. I asked on Twitter at Crash Course FM on Twitter, um, who, uh, you know, which which region, you know, you guys out there think is the toughest? And uh, people actually came out and said the Central. My personal view is the West, and we'll get to that here in a, here in a second. I think the East. Yeah, so we're all um, we're all across the board here. Yeah, we're we're all over the place. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it here. First, starting, we'll start with the Eastern Region. We'll do East, then you do East B Scott, then I'll do Central. Uh, we'll some you know some producing on the fly here, if you will. Um, but uh, so the Eastern Region, uh, I kind of broke it down into three categories. You've got contenders. Uh, you've got spoilers, so teams that are I don't think are really going to make the playoffs, but are also going to be pretty tough to beat. Um, and then you got teams that are going to, I mean, they may steal a game or two, but you're not really worried about, you know, your matchup against them going into the season. Um, and for the East, for me, the contenders, uh, first of all, you got to start with the Yankees. Um, I, they bring in Garrett Cole. They already have a stacked lineup with Judge, Stanton. Uh, they've got Glaber. Um, they've got such a crazy lineup, Aaron Hicks. Um, they are just going to be a powerhouse. They're, you know, they're ready for a deep playoff run. Um, the bullpen, even without, like, it's crazy to think that, like, they uh, – I don't know if Eroldis Chapman is confirmed if he'll be ready for the beginning of the season or if he'll miss a little bit because he was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, but even without – even if they start without Eroldis Chapman, they still have Zach Britton, Adam Adovino. Uh, I mean, this team is stacked across. They're good. Yeah, yeah. This, this is a team that even before, like, even it doesn't matter if it was 162 games or 60 games like it is. This is the team that, this is a team that is going to make a deep playoff run. Um, no, no need, no further argument there. It's, it's, they're pretty stacked. Uh, then you've got the Rays um, who are coming off of, you know, a playoff run last year. Of course, they were beat uh, by the eventual AL champion Astros. Uh, but they come in with a pretty good pitching staff uh, of their own. They've got Blake Snell. They've got Charlie Morton. They, uh, if Glass now can find his magic like he had earlier in the season a year ago, uh, they you know they've got you know very good arms like that. They brought in um, you know Hunter Renfro. They have Austin Meadows. They have Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, you know they have uh, Adon- uh, Willie Adamas. Uh, they've got um, a lot of good bats as well. They're not they're a team. They kind of remind me – I don't know if I've made this comparison uh, before, but they kind of remind me of the Indiana Pacers of baseball. Like, they don't have really anyone that's just incredible, um, like an amazing superstar. They don't have a Lindor. They don't have a Gleber Torres or Giancarlo Stanton, but they have just a lot of good, solid bats and a good pitching staff, uh, and then their bullpen is good to boot. So uh, this is a team – that I think is also primed to make a good playoff run. Um, then uh, on the NL side, you've got the Braves, uh, which 
some conversation has been made about uh, Freddie Freeman coming down with COVID. Uh, you know, how that's kind of taken a toll on his body. So we'll see how long it takes for him to get back to 100% health. Um, we, uh, you, but you do have still Ronald Acuna. You've got Ozzy Albies. Um, you've got Marcelo Zuna. Uh, you've got, you know, all those players there. You've got, you know, Dansby Swanson. Uh, so they have some good bats for their lineup. They added Cole Hamels in the offseason. Um, they added uh, Will Smith to their bullpen. Uh, they went out and improved their team immensely, and I'm really excited to see what they do this season because they're another contender. And then the Nationals, for me, they're kind of fringe contender spoiler, and I'll tell you why. Because, like, part of me said, you know, I've, I've waffled back and forth on how good the Nationals are going to be because I think, you know, on the one hand, I think the Nationals are going to be good in the sense that, you know, they've got Max Scherzer, they've got Patrick Corbin, they've got Steven Strasburg, who they just, you know, re-signed to a mega deal. They've got, you know, bats like, you know, Trey Turner, uh, Juan Soto, uh, Victor Robles, Eric Thames. They've got some pretty good bats, but you just had Ryan Zimmerman opt out. I, you know, so I, was he a main big force? No, but he's definitely going to be missed. Um, you don't have Rendon anymore. Uh, so can you, I mean, can this lineup survive losing two pretty incredible bats two years in a row? Obviously they were fine when Bryce left, but now you lose Rendon too. So how good is that lineup actually going to be? I think the only guy that really super scares you in that lineup is Juan Soto and the rest, I mean, are good hitters, but how many of those guys scare you if you even if you have your ace on the mound that's what kind of you know leads me to kind of have the nationals as i do i think they're gonna have a good season and contend and be there yes but i are they going to be you know just plug them right back in uh to the playoff picture like they were last year who knows but then again they started 19 and 31 and they came back and shocked the world also that's another thing howie kendrick i love me some howie kendrick don't get me wrong but is he going to be able to capture what he had last season also? So a lot of, there's just a lot of question marks, not so much to where it's talked me off of the nationals, but just in the standpoint of, I just don't, I, I'm leaning towards they're going to be good, but I'm not ready to say like, yes, pencil them into the NLDS, pencil them into the NLCS. They're a force to be reckoned with. Um, then you've got spoiler teams. You've got the blue Jays who added Hunjin Ryu who have, you know, Bats like Vlad, Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette, they're going to be an improved team. They're going to hover around 500. You've got the Red Sox, which even though you're like, yeah, they lost bets, they don't have sale, they don't have price, their bullpen, I don't even recognize some of the names in their bullpen. And, uh, I mean, the only name that I know of are, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ryan Brazier and uh, Brian Workman. Those are, or Brandon Workman. Those are the two names that I know. The rest are just kind of like, I, I'm pretty sure I've had their card at some point in MLB The Show, but beyond that, I'm like, nah, I don't know these guys. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that th – I still think that they're going to have a season where, they, you know, they have enough talent where they have J.D. Martinez, they have Kevin Pillar, they have Rafael Devers, they have Michael Chavis. They're going to win baseball games. They're going to contend in baseball games. It's just a matter of, you know, if their pitching is going to be in line, which that's the big question mark, but I still think they're good enough to take games away from – the Yankees, the Rays, the Braves. Um, and then you've got the Mets, who they don't have Noah Syndergaard, uh, but they do have Jacob deGrom still. 
Um, so their pitching uh, rotation is still a big question mark, but they have Pete Alonzo. They have, um, you know, they have some good bats in their lineup um, where I think they can be a spoiler team as well. Um, and then you've got the Phillies who are just kind of throwing darts at a dartboard um, and hoping something sticks. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, they're, they definitely could have a good season as well. They've got Didi Gregorius. They obviously have JT Romuto back. They have Aaron Nola. They have uh, Zach Wheeler in the pitching staff. Uh, their bullpen, if they can stay healthy, is is pretty pretty solid as well. So, you know, with David Robinson and Hector Neris in there. So it'll be interesting to watch. I'm not super sold on them, but we'll see. Um, but I do think they can take games away from the other teams that we mentioned. And then the teams that you really don't have to worry about, in my opinion, the Orioles, the Marlins. You knew those that was coming. Uh, the Orioles, uh, you know, you're excited. If, if you're a fan, you're excited for prospects. Possibly that's it. The Marlins have a, t- are a team that are they are they penciled in as a loss every time they face the Yankees or every time they face the Braves? No, they're going to have some entertaining games. They're going to ha- they do have a kind of a fun roster, but beyond that, they're not going to do much of anything. So the Orioles, Marlins, you knew that was coming. They're they're going to be in the cellar. So you know you you basically hit the nail on the head with this region. I mean, Yankees, Rays, Braves, Nationals, definitely all contenders. Um, honestly, I think you have potentially, I mean, three, maybe even all four teams are World Series contenders. In this, in the, in this season, you just don't know I mean, what happens if COVID hits one of these teams and just decimates them. You, you know, we'll see how that goes. The spoilers, I, I agree with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are always just kind of right there. And um, I know in years past when the Red Sox have been really good and contending for the AL East crown, the blue Jays have just been kind of a thorn in the side. Um, same the Mets can be the same, same way. And the Phillies, the Phillies, I feel like are out of these spoiler teams are one of the teams that have the best chance to bump up to the contenders line. Um, they always just kind of seem to be teetering right there back and forth. And then when I look at the spoilers group as well, that I have here, the blue, same thing, blue Jays, Red Sox, Mets, and Phillies, the team that I feel like that has the best chance of possibly dropping down to the cellar would be the Red Sox. I mean, the Red Sox just don't, they're, they're pretty decimated right now. I mean, yes, offensively, they're still going to be, they still have some firepower there. They did lose Mookie Betts. That's a huge, huge loss for them. Um, but the, the biggest thing is the fact that going into this season, your ace is essentially Nathan Eovaldi. I mean, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. I don't know how you're going to ride that one. Luckily, this is a, a shortened season, so losing Chris Sale, you know, this, this season is pretty much the Red Sox uh, as an organization and the fan base just all understand it, this is a wash of a season. Hopefully you can get things uh, righted in this next offseason. Uh, but I, they're, they're a team that I, I, I could potentially see coming out of the gate and just struggling mightily and falling down into the cellar rather quick. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I think the, you know, the Red Sox, I, you look at their lineup, it, it kind of, in a way, they're kind of in the same spot as, you know, not to spoil what I'm going to say, you know, when we get down to the West, but they kind of remind me of the Rockies. Who knows what their pitching is going to look like, but their lineup's really fun with, you know, Benintendi and Bradley and Martinez and Devers and Chavis and, you know, all those guys. And I think, that they are because a lot of these a lot of the teams too like you know talking about you know i mean 
talking about like the Braves, for instance, like if there's a game where it's because uh, is Eduardo Rodriguez still gonna like? Is he, oh yeah, is Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. Is I was there. like, so if it's, I, I feel like the I, I know the opening day starter is gonna be Nate Eovaldi. Yeah. So if it's Eovaldi versus, let's say for the Braves, Mike Fulton Nevitz. Do I think that that's a game that automatically the Red Sox are like, no, we're done. We can't, we can't do it. No, but yeah, the Red so, Sox but, have the firepower to keep them within any game. It it's just do can that offense keep up for nine straight innings? Because you you the Red Sox don't have the depth in the bullpen to go to if their starter gets chased. You know, if he if he gives up six runs in the first three innings. You, you, just, you don't have that kind of depth to be able to say, okay. But at the same time, there are some people that are saying that, hey, maybe the Red Sox are now going to go the, the route that the Rays took for a while and have a, a short starter and then kind of go starter by committee. And the, they have, like, have a longer reliever that, you know, it's – I don't know, it's weird. It was kind of weird how they did it. But like there's opener. some people are saying it. There's some people that that could be the option the Red Sox take this year with their starting lineup, but I don't know. It, it's it's tough because they just don't have the depth, and that's something that they you know that's a hole they dug themselves into, right? And they're looking to get out of, right? So I mean, they could go to like an opener, like let's say they have Ryan Brazier pitch the first inning, and then you've got and they have a, a few guys in their bullpen that are kind of hybrid like middle relief guys who can pitch multiple innings so you could have a situation where if you're facing a team that's you know heavy you know right-handers you can go with a left-handed reliever to start out the game then go Evaldi for three or four instead of having him go try to ask six or seven out of them um and I mean Evaldi's shown flashes I mean obviously you saw what he did in the 2018 postseason and I think he's still kind of recovering from that um you know just being used so much uh but we'll see I mean I, I think you know yeah they have and, and you're going to see this season too, the fact that if a game starts to get out of hand, if the, if the Red Sox are, you know, have put up a five spot on, you know, the brave starter because it's such a short season, because you're basically, it's not, we're throwing you into opening day and you get to figure it out. We're throwing you into pennant chase baseball essentially. Right. And everybody's tied <laughs> and, and it's time to kind of get going here. So uh, you're going to have to treat these games as if it's, you know, end of the season, you're playing for a playoff spot. And so you may not see a starter for that long. And then, you know, some of these bullpens, you know, the Yankees, the Braves bullpens improved, you know, we'll see if, you know, you know, the Red Sox can go bullpen for bullpen, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think, I do think you're right in the fact that they're a fringe seller team, but I think the fact that they have such a good offense is going to keep them in a lot more games. You know, when, when, when I looked at the seller teams, like I don't look at the Orioles and Marlins on the same pedestals. I do the, uh, that I do the Red Sox, and well, that's neither why. one of those teams have like a, and you know they don't they don't have that potential power, right? But we'll see if the Red Sox even do. I mean, this is a team that last year struggled with health, and that's not what you want in the middle of a pandemic as a team that can't be healthy, right? It wasn't just like knickknack injuries; it was like there was guys that were sick. So, yeah, it yeah. could be interesting. It'll be fun to watch, watch for sure. Watch. All of these predictions we're making now could go be completely washed. Like the Yankees starting pitching staff could one of them come down with COVID and that entire pitching room is in yeah. quarantine and not, and they're having to start uh, Zach Britton. I mean, right. You, you just don't know 
what yeah. could happen. This now, year. I will say, and this isn't, this is, uh, you know, you saying that just reminded me, they did release today. It's a good sign for starting off, and we'll see, obviously, because everybody's going to have to be moving around and stuff. They did release that, you know, out of all the, I'm pretty sure out of all the tests, like, there were no negative, like, all of them were, they were all were negatives, almost did a Michael Scott and said they're all positive, but <laughs> apparently in the medical field, positive is a bad thing. Um, no, but, but yeah. So yeah, every, all the tests are good. Um, from what I've, from what I've seen. So that's a good sign going into the season as well, for sure. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's one, 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 one thing could possibly blow up the entire season for anybody. And that's, what's so crazy. And that's, that's when I, I put out a question then of, if your starting pitcher isn't pitching and not scheduled to pitch, do you even have him come to the ballpark? I'd say no. I mean, I, I mean think about it. And, and if, if, if this was like football and each game you had a different quarterback, you rotated through five quarterbacks, would you have your star quarterback come at all if he didn't have to be there? Well, heck, there's, there's, there's situations in – like in the regular season in a normal year where you wouldn't have like a, if a starter, like let's say, you know, a starter pitching like on a, on a road series, yeah. let's say like you have a, a quick, like three game road trip, you know, and the pitch, you know, and you had your ACE start the last game in the homestand and he's going to start the second game into the next homestand. You don't even have him travel. And that's in a normal non pandemic season. So yeah, I mean, I absolutely think there's going to be stuff like that going on. Um, well, let's go ahead and move on to the central region now. Um, and this is a whole, you know, another level of, of cluster as far as, uh, you know, every, every region is just going to have its intricacies, which is crazy. Um, so contenders, um, you've got the twins. Uh, the twins have done a lot of good things this offseason. They brought in Josh Donaldson that's injected into a lineup that already has Max Kepler, that already has Miguel Sano, that already has – um, you know, all these good bats in the lineup. Uh, Byron Buxton is going to, I think, miss the start of the season, but he's going to be inserted at some point. Um, you've got a lot of good bats in that lineup, and that's not to mention you just uh, they just traded for Kenta Maeda. So they have Kenta Maeda to go along with Jose Barrios um, to go with Rich Hill is in that rotation now. So we'll see how he ad- adjusts to the AL because uh, he's been with the Dodgers now for the last few years. Um, they have a bullpen that's scary. You have Trevor May, um, you know, down there in the bullpen, um, who's going to be, you know, tough. You've got Sergio Romo, who's tough down there in the bullpen, who's been around the block a few times, but still is, is, uh, you know, pitching pretty well. So you've got a pretty complete team as well, uh, with the Minnesota twins. They won the AL central last year. Um, so it'll, they'll be fun to watch for sure. You've got the Chicago White Sox, who are actually, who I think are starting to kind of hit their stride a little bit, or, sh- or on schedule, on paper should hit their stride. They've got Yasmani Grandal, who they brought in, Edwin Encarnacion, who they brought in. They brought in Dallas Keuchel. They brought in Gio Gonzalez. They brought in, um, you know, they so they brought in a bunch of names that way. They've got Alex Colome in the bullpen. They've got. Um, you know, they still have Eloy Jimenez. They have Yoan Mancada. They have Luis Robert, who's going to be coming up and supposed to be a stud. You've got Tim Anderson. Um, so they've got a pretty stacked lineup as well. And I think this is the year they kind of start pulling it together. Now, whether or not they're going to contend and, and beat the Twins, I don't know. But they're definitely a team that is, you know, when you think of who are the upper echelon teams in 
the Central. I think even though they haven't really gotten the opportunity to prove it, they've not been in the playoff hunt the last few years. I think this is the year they start to hit that stride. And when you take out the fact that they don't have to play, you know, the other regions as far as, you know, they don't have games against the Astros, the A's, the Rays, the Yankees, all those other teams, they just have to play the Central. They just have to play. They'll play 40 games, including games against the Tigers, the Royals, the Indians. I like this lineup, you know, to beat any of those other lineups I just mentioned. So um, they'll be fun to watch. Then another team that, yeah, maybe in the past they haven't really, you know, shown you that much, at least not recently, but the Cincinnati Reds. I think are going to be really good. They've got Luis Castillo in the rotation. They've got Sonny Gray, who has just kind of found himself again. You've got Trevor Bauer. Um, you've got um, Pedro Strope and Rysel Iglesias in the bullpen, um, which is going to be exciting. And then as far as, I mean, there's bats everywhere with this team. They've got Joey Votto. They've got Mike Moustakis. They've got, um, they've got, uh, they've got Nick Castellanos. They've got, um, uh, all these guys that are going to be really good. Uh, and, and, uh, no, the Puig is, uh, actually not on. He, he failed his physical because he got, he got COVID. Uh -huh. Um, and he was going to sign with the Braves. And so he's now kind of in limbo again. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, right. you've got a, you've got Eugenio Suarez. You've got a stacked lineup. Um, I know I keep saying stacked lineup a lot, but this is for real. I mean, they, they've got a great team. Uh, Nick Senzel as well. Um, uh, they've got a whole bunch of uh, great bats on this team. And I think this is the year that they pull it together too, just like the White Sox. I mean, yeah, they may not, you know, if they would have had to play the NL West, the NL East, maybe it's a different story. But because they get to play the Pirates, the Royals, the Tigers, you know, the Indians – I like them to oh, do the Royals have fallen. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the thing is they weren't built. They, they were kind of built and run kind of like the Cubs were run and or like their Cubs resurgence was run in the sense that, you know, they had all their young guys come together and they're going to become free agents all at the same time. They couldn't afford to keep them all or they couldn't afford to keep them all. We all know we we're kind of, feeling differently about how how the owners are looked at now as far as spending money is concerned. Um, but, yeah, the Royals, I think, were built to make that, like, couple-year run. But, yeah, there's hardly anyone left, save for maybe Alex Gordon, uh, from those old teams, which is pretty crazy. I think Greg Holland signed back there in the offseason, but he's a shell of, him, of his former self. So, the, yeah, so I, I like the Reds. Um, then, speaking of the Cubs, you've got the Chicago Cubs. They're going to slot um, Kyle Schwarber as the DH. He's going to absolutely mash. You've got Anthony Rizzo. You've got Javier Baez. You've got Chris Bryant. You've got Jason Hayward. You've got Ian Happ. You've got Wilson Contreras. Bats on bats on bats on bats. The pitching is the question mark. They do have Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana, you Darvish. If John Lester can at least have a bounce back season, you're excited for that. Um, the bullpen is, yeah, uh, who knows what's going to happen there. You do have Craig Kimbrell. It's not, you know, Braves or even Red Sox Craig Kimbrell, uh, but it is it is Craig Kimbrell nonetheless. We'll see what he does. They don't have Steve Shishek anymore. They don't have um, Pedro Strope anymore, the bullpen, which that kind of scares me. They do have some young talent in, you know, Rowan Wick. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but you know, the fact that they've got a solid staff, 
amazing bats. Uh, I think they're going to be contenders uh, as far as the central. When you stack again, when you stack these guys against the rest of the teams they're going to be playing, I think they're a contending team. And then you have the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, who they have Jack Flaherty, they have Miles Michaelis, they've got Paul Goldschmidt, they've got Colton Wong, they've got Matt Carpenter, they've got uh, some good guys. They also lost some talent. They lost Jose Martinez. They lost. Um, uh, they lost. Who did they lose? They lost. They lost Jose Martinez and Marcelo Zuna. I, was, I knew there was another big outfield bat that they lost. Which a lot of their guys, I at least they have not shown at the major league bet a level that they can match that power that Osuna and uh, Martinez brought to the table, and that's what kind of worries me. Yeah, you still have Goldschmidt who can rake. Uh, Yachty's another year older. Um, they don't have Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks has opted out of the season. Um, so that's a big cog in their bullpen, although they still have Giovanni Gallegos and, uh, Andrew Miller. Um, so all of those teams I think are going to compete, uh, you know, for, uh, the, uh, central crown in their respective, uh, leagues. Then you've got spoiler teams. You've got the Brewers who knows what their staff looks like. They've got Brandon Woodruff. They've got Josh Hader. They've got some arms in between there, but those are the main two arms you hear about with the Brewers. You've got uh, Christian Yelich. Um, you've got Ryan Braun, who's going to be probably strictly the DH. Um, but they're, the Brewers, their window kind of open and then kind of slams shut again. So we'll see if they can be contender. I think they definitely have the ability to be, but we'll see. And then you've got um, the Indians who, you know, they lose uh, Corey Kluber. Um, they still have Shane Bieber. They still have Mike Clevenger. Their bullpen, they've got Brad Hand. That's about it. They've got uh, Francisco Lindor and Jose Martinez, which Martinez is looking to have a bounce back here. But I will say this about the Indians, and this is what kind of still keeps them above, because they're kind of like the Red Sox, where you could say they're a seller team, but at the same time, with because of Terry Francona for the Indians, it's kind of like having a, a you know legendary coach in basketball. Is it the most important thing? I mean, in the NBA. Is it the most important thing? No. But if you have one, it can make a team that maybe shouldn't be, you know, good, good. So, like, you see with the Spurs a lot, where the Spurs maybe aren't, you know, the Tony Sparker, Tony Sparker, Tony Parker, you know, Tim Duncan Spurs, but they still are contending because Greg Popovich is so doggone good. So that's why I think the Indians are still that notch ahead. And then the seller teams, Royals, Tigers, Pirates, again, you knew those names would be there. Um, the, the Pirates are probably the best of those three. But, again, those are three teams that the Central is just going to beat up on all season. So, yeah, when this Central region for me, I mean, obviously the Twins are contenders. I mean, defending AL Central champs. Um, you know, then obviously the Cardinals are up there as well for me. Uh, it's, it's really tough. Not knowing, like, and, and the Cubs. I also have the Cubs up there as contenders as well. It's because the Cubs always seem to be there until the very end, and then when they get to that, that play-in game, that's when they fall. Um, but, they, yeah, they're contenders at least. Um, it, it's tough for me to put the, Red, the White Sox and the Reds up there just not fully, you know, not having – not really knowing much about what, what they look like. But – because like what you said, Craig, um, with 
you know, they get to play the Royals, the Tigers, the Pirates. They're, they're only playing against the other central division. So that, that does put them up there for me. I'm, I'm going to put the Reds up there, but I'm not quite ready to put the White Sox up as contenders yet just because, you know, the Reds, they have proven a little bit to, you know, they've been, they were kind of hovering around there a little bit last year too. Whereas the White been a Sox, thorn in the side of a lot of teams in the NFL. Right. And eventually the thorn in the side when it's the Reds, they tend to make a jump after a while. Um, like I said, the East, the Blue Jays are typically the thorn in the side for like the Red Sox or whatever that may be. But the Reds know how to make that jump from thorn in the side to contender. They've just done, they've done it in the past. Um, so I'm going to put the, I'm going to keep the Reds there, but I'm, I'm going to put the White Sox down in the spoilers line with the Indians and the Brewers. But the Indians have the possibility of falling to the cellar. And um, that's mostly because they, they just seem to have struggled since they made that run to the World Series. They just haven't been the same Indians. I, I feel like they rode some really strong players, and then those players just fell off. So, like I did in the East, I'm going to put a couple teams that – I'm going to have a team like the Indians that are potential fallers to the seller – and I have the White Sox down in spoilers, so I'm going to also have the White Sox on the verge of be going up to contender, um, whereas the Brewers are just going to hang pat. I, I feel like they're just going to be that team where you're like, oh, come on, would you actually decide to be something? Like, they're <laughs> going to tease you a little bit, and then they're going to, uh, no, it's okay. And then they'll tease you a little bit again. And so I feel like that's kind of what the Brewers are going to be. Obviously, the seller, Royals, Tigers, Pirates. There's no explanation needed there. I, I, I feel like the Tigers are never going to get out of the cellar. The Pirates, I wish the Pirates were one of those teams that could get out of the cellar. They got close to being out of the cellar, and then they just sold the farm. They're, they're one of those teams that they don't believe that they should be good or have good players for some reason. They, and then they, they're just they're a frustrating team to me. And, and that's saying that because also, I mean, obviously their minor league affiliate is right here in Indianapolis. And I, I don't feel like the, and their minor league team is typically one of the better minor league teams, but then they don't handle it. The Indians are good. Like from the beginning of the year through about midway part of the year when the rosters expand. And then all of a sudden all the good players on the Indians get called up to the pirates just to, for the pirates to see what they have. And then the Indians don't have a chance to, win anything in the playoffs so it's just like they're just such a frustrating organization so but unfortunately they're gonna be stuck in the cellar yeah I, I agree with that no no too much argument there yeah it seems like the Indians always have good prospects but they either trade them away or something happens along the way as far as the, like the, Indi the Indianapolis Indians the Pirates so so yeah no arguments there as far as those teams and yeah I mean that's completely fair to have like the White Sox's fringe and the Indians is French because yeah they it could go either way but um yeah as far as the Brewers go I think the Brewers are going to like have a hot two weeks then have a bad two weeks then have a hot two weeks then a bad two weeks it's just going to go back and forth so I'm, I'm right there with you all right finally let's wrap up with the western region um so I've got three contenders I know I said this was the division or this the region that I said was the toughest but that's because there's so many doggone teams that I don't know where to put them, but they're going to be tough, and it's going to be tough to play these teams. I don't think there's a gimme game 
like really any any other time unless you're playing shocker the seller teams are mariners and giants i'll just go ahead and get that out of the way the mariners and giants don't have much going for them um but you know the rest i think are either going to be spoilers or contenders my contenders are the astros uh you've got the you've got you as far as pitching goes you've got justin verlander um you've got zach grinke beyond that starting pitchers a little bit of a question mark for me there but solid you've got a bullpen that's got ryan presley and roberto asuna um beyond that again you don't really know too much beyond that but those are two solid pieces and then of course you've got the bats now i understand there's question marks about the bats because how well will they do when they don't have the trash can in the dugout that's going to be the big (laughs) that's going to be the big question but they still i mean that was i think the biggest gripe with the whole cheating scandal is the fact that they were a good enough team to not cheat, and they still cheated. <laughs> they have Jose Altuve. They've got Yuli Gurriel. They've got um, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, uh, George Springer. So they've got um, a good team uh, ar- you know, around them. They're going to be a tough team. Uh, they're going to be a tough out this season for sure. They're going to be a really good one. Then you've got the A's, which, you know – Again, kind of like the Rays in the standpoint of do they have like that marquee player? No, but they've got really good players on their team. They've got, you know, they they did take a little bit of a hit with one of their prospects, Lazardo, opting out. Um, they've got, they do have Mike Fires, Sean Mania, um, on the pitching staff. Um, they do have, um, as far as the bullpen is concerned, uh, I don't even, I mean, I know they've got Jake Diekman. Um, their, their bullpen's kind of a little bit suspect, but they always usually make it work. Um, and then you've got, but their bats again, solid. You've got Matt Olson, you've got Marcus Simeon, you've got Matt Chapman, you've got Chris Davis, you've got, uh, Ramon Laureano. Um, so you've got a lot of very talented bats in that lineup who are going to be tough. Um, so, uh, I think they're going to be right on the heels of the Astros. Um, and they're going to be a good team this year. And then, of course, you've got the Dodgers. They make the monumental trade for Mookie Betts. Their pitching staff, you've still got Clayton Kershaw. You've still got Walker Buehler. You've got uh, Kinley Jansen in your bullpen. They also uh, brought in Blake Trinan. Um, you have – who? Price. Well, he opted out. So, um, yeah, so he won't be there this season. Uh, but, yeah, that- because David Price is a, a guy that he struggles – as the season goes on, yeah, in a long season, but in a shortened season, I feel like David Price could have had a really good year. And to boot, he would have, he's an AL pitcher going to the NL, which I, I do like to keep an eye on that because especially if you're a fantasy baseball, you know, guru like myself, you know, you like you kind of keep track of that because in the past, now this year it wouldn't have mattered because you have the DH all over the place. But when you go from facing a DH to facing the weekend lineups of having the pitcher, you know, pitcher spot up, you know, it tends, it tends to work out for the former AL pitcher. So, um, but yeah, so you've got, um, those guys pitching, you've got, and then of course, I mean, all over the place, you've got bats, you've got bats on bats on bats on bats on bats on bats on bats. You've got, um, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, uh, Jock Peterson, Corey Seager, um, you know, Kike Hernandez, pretty much everywhere across the board, you've got, you know, a talented roster, talented bats. They're a team that is primed for a World Series run. 
Then spoiler teams. I have five. Count them. Five spoiler teams that I think uh, you know can put something together. You've got the Angels, which yes, I understand. Their pitching staff is Julio Tehran, Dylan Bundy. They've got some guys who have got some big question marks. I understand the bullpen. Eh, we'll see. They've got some good pieces. They've got Cam Bedrosian, who's solid. Um, <clears throat> but then, you know, let's look at the lineup. You've got Trout. You've got Rendon. You've got Andrelton Simmons. You've got Justin Upton. You've got Shohei Hotani. You've got some very talented players on this roster that I think are going to make a heck of a season out of this. Um, then you've got the Rangers who have Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, Corey Kluber as your pitching staff who, you know, if, if Miner, uh, all three are looking to have either continue from a bounce back season last year or have their own bounce back season this year and Corey Kluber who is coming off injury. The bullpen is solid. You've got Jose LeClerc. Uh, you've got Jesse Chavez. You've got some good arms there. Um, then you've got Joey Gallo. You've got Elvis Andrews. You've got some really good players on the Texas Rangers as well. And the Rangers, for a time, were in the hunt last year of, of the last wild card spot. So they're going to be improved. They're going to take some games um, away from the other you know contenders. Then you've got the Diamondbacks, who have Cattell Marte. They just added Starling Marte. Um, you know, they've got, um, some really, they've got a really good lineup as well. Um, you know, uh, you know, on the front of that, it's going to be those two guys at the top there, Marte and Starling. Then you've got, uh, you know, you've got Archie Bradley in the bullpen. They've got now Mike Leak opted out as well, but you just added Mad Bum. Uh, that's another team that's going to be, uh, you know, that was before the season started. Uh, was supposed to be a team that was going to contend. And I think even in a shortened season, they'll be good. Um, then you've got the Padres who are improved. The Padres are a lot like uh, the Blue Jays in the sense that, you know, they've got good guys like Fernando Tatis. They've got guys, um, you know, in that lineup, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado. They've got, um, you know, their starting pitching is starting to come around a little bit. Their bullpen is filthy. They've got Craig Stammen. They've got Kirby Yates. So they're going to be another tough team. And then the Rockies, you know, their, their pitching is a big question mark. They got Herman Marquez, who's good. They've got – if Wade Davis can maybe recapture some of his magic from, you know, years past, he's going to be solid out of the bullpen. But you've got, you know, Trevor Story. You've got Nolan Arenado. You've got David Dahl. You've got da Daniel Murphy. You've got just so many bats in that lineup that can be good. So there's a lot of teams – you know, there's only really three contenders, but the spoilers, are they on the same level as the contenders? No, not at all. But at the same time, they're good enough to take games away from the contenders, which is why I think that region is going to be so crazy to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, when you look at your contenders, the, the two that stand out the most are the Astros and the Dodgers, obviously. Um, I don't think the Astros are really going to miss too much of a beat with the cheating scandal. I mean, they still were loaded with talent. Um, looking at your contenders, though, Astros, Dodgers, I think the A's are the one, one of the teams for me that can be a, they're going to be a contender because they, they typically are a contender, whether that's for the division or for a wild card spot year in and year out. They always seem to be just right there. Um, and, but I feel like they're going to be one of those teams that this year they could potentially bump down to the spoilers 
line. And in the spoilers, I actually have the Angels, the Rangers, uh, the, the D-backs, and the Rockies. I'm not 100% sold on the Padres because I feel like if things start going well for the Padres, they're going to be like, oh, this isn't right. They're going to blow it up and try to tra- make some trade and getting, and then some, some big name will be on the move. They just don't know how right? – they're, they, they're kind of like the Pirates, except they're a tier up from the Pirates. But I feel like the Angels have that possibility of bumping up to the contenders line be, just because of how good offensively they, they are. Um, and also when you have one of the best players in baseball on your roster that they have the ability to kind of just take over and help get the team where they need them to be. Um, and so down in the cell, you know, the, I, I am going to have the Padres though in the spoilers section, just because like I said, they're a tier above like the pirates as far as how the organization is run, but it's just kind of, they're maddeningly frustrating. Um, but they're going to be that team that's going to be, that could potentially drop down to the cellar for me. Uh, and then the Mariners and the Giants as well. It's it's so weird. The Giants, man. At one point in time, they were that that team was just stellar every other year. Um, and it was usually, I think it was, wasn't it odd years that they were always even, really good? Even, even years. So this would have been an even year. Come I know. On. 20, 2010, 2012, and twenty fourteen. This is supposed to be one of the years that the Giants can win the World Series. But, you know, they haven't done that in a long time or even been close to that in a while. So, um, but the Padres are one of those teams I could drop down to the cellar. The Mariners are always just an intriguing team to me. They have the the, the ability, I feel like, to bump up to potentially to the spoilers. But uh, it's just tough. The Giants are definitely down the cellar for me. Yeah, there was a couple years where the Mariners had, like, King Felix and James Paxton – where they could have, you know, been something. They had Nelson Cruz, uh, but yeah, they're just kind of, yeah. <laughs> they they did start thirteen and two last year, and in a sixteen game season, if they can recapture that, who knows? That might screw some things up and and that make would them up to the spoilers, right? But we'll see. Now it is finally time um, for our predictions. Uh, before we do that, as you can see, if you're watching the video portion. Our socials are down at the bottom, so if you want to follow us, go ahead and check out there. And also, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe there, Crash Course Podcast. We're going to be doing the podcast uh, live every Monday now, uh, or you know, and, and if it's going to be a different date, we'll announce that, or a different time, we'll announce that. But um, we're going to record the podcast live every week, so uh, get excited for that. Also, uh, coming in August, there's going to be a new, uh, uh, a new video series coming out every week going to be called memory lane which if you guys remember we rewatched the uh uh 2018 indy 500 it's going to be under that format where we watch old games and that kind of stuff and react to them and then that kind of thing so we're really excited uh to roll out this new content not only streaming the podcast live every week but also getting you guys some new videos and stuff like that as well so be excited for that so if you haven't subscribed already go ahead and subscribe now because it's going to be awesome we're at nine currently we hit we got one during the podcast so thank you guys for subscribing um and then of course you can follow us at crash course fm uh, on twitter crash course podcast on facebook um and you can go to anchor.fm slash crash course to hear us or every tuesday or you could also um you know we can be heard on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or wherever podcasts can be heard so uh let's get into the predictions uh for the uh, AL East, I've got the Yankees and the Braves. Um, you know, the Yankees was an easy Maybe choice. East. Just the East. 
You yeah. said AL East. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. For the AL East, it's the Yankees. For the NL East, it's the Braves. Um, so Yankees wasn't a tough choice for me there. The Braves, did I kind of think maybe Nationals, maybe something else? But no, I, the Braves are just too solid for me, so I'm keeping it uh, with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, for the Central Region, AL, uh, it's going to be the Twins. Um, not too much different from, uh, you know, a lot of my picks are not too different from what we saw last year. Um, the Twins, I think, are, are really solid. Um, and then I, I have the Reds for the NL Central. A lot of people are picking the Cubs. A lot of people are picking the Cardinals. Um, but I, I really think this is the year that the Reds really break out. Like I said, like I've said that in the past, they've been the thorn in the side of a lot of teams. And I think this is the year they've got enough firepower where they can uh, you know, really make a, a solid run to the playoffs. And then in the Western region, um, I've got uh, in, in uh, you know, for the AL, I've got the Astros. I thought about the A's for a minute, and then I was like, no, oh, I think the Astros are just too good. And then without a doubt, it's the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a level ahead in the NL, or the, the Dodgers are a, a beat ahead everybody of everybody here. Um, and I think that they are going to be uh, your NL West champions. Wildcard teams for me. Um, so I've got two that are repeats from last year and two that are new. The two repeats from last year are the Rays in the AL and the Nationals in the NL. Uh, but the new ones uh, are both from the same city. Uh, for the AL, it's the White Sox. And for the NL, it's the Cubs. Do I think the Cubs are good enough to win the Central? Yes. But I think they will get that. Uh, they will get a wild card spot. Now, the thing that will be interesting is if they host the wild card game or if they're on the road. They've, the Cubs have played in three wild card games. The two games they played on the road against the uh, Nationals and against uh, – no, not against Nationals, against the Pirates. And who else did they play on the road? They've played – have they only played one? Maybe they've only played one. Maybe I thought the Nationals won they originally played. But basically the one they played on the road, they won. The one they played at home, they lost. So <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Um yeah, the Nationals was the NLDS game five. I got that confused for a second. But it was a winner-go-home game on the road. They won it. So, uh, so yeah, so those are my wild-card teams. And, yeah, the White Sox, I think they make that leap this year. It's kind of like the Reds. I think they, they have a good enough roster where they jump up. And then, like I said, I look at the other teams. Like, I think, you know, the West is so good that it's going to be, you know, it's going to – they're gonna. There's gonna. There's gonna be so much of teams coming up and taking away from other teams that it's just gonna be kind of crazy. Uh, but I think the uh, the West is gonna be kind of left out of the picture because I think the Central is light enough to where two teams can get in. I think the East is light enough where two teams can get in, and I think the West is just gonna beat the living crap out of each other. So we'll see what happens there. But those are my uh, uh, predictions. Um, and then after you go, B Scott, we'll get in the playoffs. All right, so for me, in the East, um, I have – for the AL East, I have the New York Yankees. I mean, it's pretty obvious that that team is just flat-out stacked. And then in the NL East, I'm actually going with the defending World Series champs, the Washington Nationals. Um, you know, for you know, with, with going into a season where there's so much unknowns, I'm, gonna, I'm just kind of sitting back and going, you know what, prove me wrong. You, you know, you're still champions until proven otherwise. Um, so I have to go with the Nationals based on, based on kind of that, just, you know, just not knowing too much about the, what, the way this season is going to unfold. So that, that is what I have for the East. 
In the Central, uh, the AL Central, I have the Minnesota Twins. I think that's a, that's a that's kind of like up there with the Yankees. That's just a, a given. Um, mostly because I mean, man, that that the Central is just not as deep, especially the AL Central. The AL Central is there for the Twins just to basically run away with. And then the NL Central, I'm going with the St. Louis Cardinals because it it is potentially uh, a potential three-team race. Um, I just kind of feel like the Cardinals are one of the more consistent teams in Major League Baseball, and I think consistency like that is going to be what prevails. And then out west, in the AL West, I have the Houston Astros because, well, I mean, cheating or no cheating, they still are very, very good. And then obviously in the NL West, I mean, it's the Dodgers. So that, that's, that's a fairly given one as well. For a lot of these divisions, it does seem like it's, it is pretty – well, I would say for the East and the, the AL East and the AL West or the NL West, it is the easiest, I feel like, to pick the division winners just because right. those – the Yankees and the Dodgers are headed are head and heels above everybody else in their divisions. Um, there's some teams that can nip at the heels and potentially take them down but I just don't feel like there's anybody else that can take them down from within their own divisions to win the division. The wild card teams I have, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. They are one of those teams that can potentially uh, dethrone the Yankees. And then I also have the uh, Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I know I said they were a borderline contender team. They're one of those teams that can fall back and forth. Um, but based off of what they they have to play this year, it does give them a, a great opportunity to get into the uh, the playoffs as a wildcard team this year. On the NL side of things, I have the Atlanta Braves. Obviously, the Braves and the Nationals could honestly be interchangeable, um, whether they're the division winner or the wildcard team. Um, so that, that one, they, they definitely get in. And then the other one in the NL wildcard is the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I, I just feel like th- this could be a, a good year for them. So they could have some special moments this season. Yeah. I mean, and, and, that's, it's not, it, and that's, that's, it's horrible because and I, it's not horrible, but it, it, it's kind of a bummer. Most like, mostly because um, the Cincinnati Reds are such a, they're so close to driving distance for us here in Indiana and not having any fans allowed in the stands, you know, when right. they have a good season, it would be, it's kind of a bummer that, you know, can't just load up the car and drive down to Cincy for a Saturday afternoon baseball. Right. Especially, you know, in a situation where they would have been improved, like a game between them and the Cubs would have been, you know, a really big game. Anybody in the NL Central would have been a pretty big game. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hear you on that. So let's go ahead and get into our playoff predictions. We'll go round by round here. Uh, for the wild card, for me, wild card round, uh, it's going to be the Rays over the White Sox for me. Um, I just think the Rays are just that good. The Rays are a are a contender for the AL pennant this year. I feel like uh, the White Sox aren't quite there yet, so I think the Rays win the wild card game for the second straight season. And then I've got the Cubs getting the second wild card game uh, or the second wild card spot. Um, going going on the road, which they've done before, and and won in winner go home games. I picked them as the second team because I really want them to play on the road because of the fact that they've been better on the road in clinching games recently. Um, so I've got the Cubs over the Nationals. I think 
the Nationals are a better team, but I think in one game playoff, the, I trust the bats of the Cubs more than I do uh, the uh, the bats of the Nationals. And the the pitching staff for the Cubs is good enough to, I think, take on the Scherzers and the and the um, Corbins of the world and the Strasburgs. Um, so those are the teams I have advancing. Then in the division series, um, I've got. Uh, the Yankees are going to be the one seed. Uh, they're going to take on the Rays in the division series. I think this goes five. I think this is going to be a really hotly contested series where you're not really going to know uh, if the Yankees are going to pull it out or not. I think, you know, because these te- two teams are very familiar with each other, both in division and, you know, this season playing, you know, only a short amount of time, I think uh, it's going to be a close one. But I think the Yankees win. Um, and then in the other division series, uh, Twins versus Astros. I've got the Twins beating the Astros. Um, the Astros, again, I think this is uh, the Twins have a lineup that can compete uh, with the Houston Astros. And then I just like – I think the pitching for the Twins is deeper, especially in the bullpen, uh, which in a playoff series can be really key. Um, so I've got the Twins over the Astros. Uh, as far as the NL is concerned, uh, Dodgers are going to be the uh, overall one seed in the NL. Uh, it's going to be Dodgers versus the Cubs. Um, I've got uh, the uh, the Dodgers winning there and advancing. Uh, and then the Braves versus the Reds. I've got the Braves beating the Reds. Again, this is a season where the, the Reds are much improved, but I think uh, the Braves roster is just better, especially now that they've got an improved bullpen. Um, so I'm going with the Braves over the Reds. Then, So that makes an NLCS or the uh, a championship series for the AL side of the Yankees and the Twins, an NLCS of the Dodgers and the Braves. Um, and I've got the Yankees over the Twins. Um, you know, the the Twins have always seen – every time they get up against the Yankees, it seems like they just are, are right there. It's kind of like the Heat and the Pacers back in the day, where they're kind of on the same level, but every time they play in a series – you know, it's always going to be the Heat, where in this instance, it's always going to be the Yankees. And so the Yankees win and advance to go to the World Series. Um, and then Dodgers versus the Braves. I don't think there's anybody stopping the Dodgers in the National League this season. Um, and so they're going to win in advance. So that sets up a World Series. Uh, and, you know, a World Series that everyone, I think, can kind of exhale. We don't have anything crazy. We don't have, you know, the Royals – and the Pirates in the World Series this season because it's a shortened season. Uh-huh. We would. don't have – I mean, that I mean that would be insane. Um, takes over all the top teams, and uh, the Red Sox come out of nowhere and win the World <laughs> Series over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Exactly. Nothing out of the ordinary. You might have had the Yankees and Dodgers even before, you know, spring training started. So, uh, you know, this is going to be the World Series. And in a season, I mentioned it before. In a season where, you know, the last few seasons for the Dodgers have been 20, you know, 2016, the Dodgers losing the NLCS to the Cubs. Um, you know, the Cubs, a Cubs team that goes on to win the World Series. In 2017, the Dodgers are beat by a Astros team that it comes out later that they've been cheating. It's a cheating scandal for them. Then they run into the buzzsaw the following year in the 2018 Boston Red Sox, a team that I think, what, they won 108 games that season? Insanity. And then the following year, they play in the NLDS, the upstart Nationals, who you never would have thought the Nationals were going to be contenders. They were 19-31, and but then they make – they're basically a Cinderella story. 
They come out and they beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers have just not been able to catch a break. And in a season where it's condensed, they could get the most, not, I don't want to say scrutiny, but for the most part, you know, you're going to have a, it's a shortened season. It's kind of a crazy year. And in one of those seasons, the Dodgers get their world championship. Finally, they win the world series. It's going to be a season where even if you want to take it away from them, which I've, I've kind of be Scott over time. And you know, you know, you've, you've talked me off the ledge a little bit about being like, this is a farce. Cause it's not, I don't think it's a farce anymore. Uh, I think, you know, I think it is going to be a fun season because I think you're right. I think, I think I was looking at a shortened season, like, well, normally it's, you know, tw- three times the size of what it, you know, you know, this, this of it is that it is this season. How is it going to compare? But no, you're just throwing t- all these teams into the pennant chase and just seeing what happens and they're all going to treat it the same way. So I, I think that's a good way to look at it. And so I think that's why you're going to see the teams you're normally used to seeing uh, in the playoffs. I think the Dodgers win the world series. They win it over the Yankees. The Dodgers are world series champions. All right. So let's start off with the wild card here for me in the AL wild card. I have the Rays over the white Sox. I'm just going to kind of go through. I've given enough explanations on these teams. And this is kind of how I just see it playing out. The Rays over the White Sox and the AL wild card. In the NL wild card, I have the Braves over the Reds. So now we move on to the divisional series. I have the Yankees being the number one seed in the AL. I mean, obviously, that's – I mean, uh, anybody else want to step up and try to take that from them too? I didn't think so. So I have the Yankees over the Rays. Um, that one's going to be a fun one. I will go into this one a little bit. I think this one's going to be a really, really fun one um, in the fact that, um, you know, these two teams will have played each other quite a bit in a a short time frame. And the Rays are one of the teams that I feel like have a chance to, you know, take down the Yankees. Um, On the other ALDS series, I have the Astros over the Twins. Um, that one, it could be another hard-fought battle as well. I feel like these are going to be some really hard-fought battles in the ALDS. Um, they're going to be close series. I, I feel like maybe even the Astros and Twins could be closer than the Yankees and the Rays. So on the NL side of things, in the NLDS, I have the Dodgers over the Braves. Um, this is one that – this could be the one series that actually gives the Dodgers a scare – early on. Um, and this is a Dodgers team that's going to be really, really, really good. But this is the, this is the biggest hurdle that I feel like they're going to have to get over to get to the World Series. So on the other side of the NL, I have the Cardinals over the Nationals. Um, this one was a kind of a tough one for me, mostly because, you know, the Nationals, like I said, you're, uh, you're defending champ, you're still champs until you're not. But I just feel like the there's some question marks, even, you know, I feel like they, they, the Nationals last year really came, they got hot at the right time. They played strong at the right time. Can they recreate that magic for the full postseason this time around? I just don't think so. And I feel like the consistency that I spoke on about the Cardinals earlier is, is, is what's going to put them over and above the Nationals. So in the ALCS, I have the Yankees and the Astros. In the NLCS, I have the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Uh, In the ALCS, I end up having the Yankees over the Astros. Um, I don't think this one is going to be as as close as people want to think. 
the Yankees are just they're just really really good. But the, if there is a team that can slow down the Yankees, it is the Astros. Um, I'm just I, I do worry just a little bit about the Astros pitching compared to the Yankees. So that there's some concern there. Um, in the NLCS, I have the Dodgers over the Cardinals. Like I said, the biggest hurdle for the Dodgers to get to the World Series in my rundown is would be the Braves. I don't think the Cardinals have what it takes to uproot the Dodgers. I don't think many teams have what it takes to uproot the Dodgers this year. So that takes me to the World Series. We have the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is the dream come true matchup for Major League Baseball in a shortened season. Two of their biggest marketable teams in their largest markets that they have. This is exactly what they dream of when it comes to the making money. But the Bronx Bombers do not get the job done. The Los Angeles Dodgers ultimately come out victorious over the New York Yankees. Mookie Betts still can say, who's your daddy to New York? And the Dodgers win the World Series. So we agree. B. Scott and I agree on our World Series champion. We both have the Dodgers. We both have the same matchup too, which is pretty crazy. The Yankees and the Dodgers. I, just, I, I feel like with the, there's so much uncertainty in the season. The biggest thing that is certain is the fact that the Yankees and the Dodgers both have stacked lineups and have what it takes to get to the World Series and win a World Series. Yeah. So I, I think with so much uncertainty, it, it's kind of the easy way out to go this way. But, you know, so much has changed since even spring training. And with players opting out and just the unknowns of everything, you just kind of have to go with the easy way out right now, I suppose. Right. No, I'm with you 100%. Uh, before we go, um, we, we do want to do our all-decade team. Um, and uh, so I'm really excited to get into that for the 2010s um, for Major League Baseball. And one thing I noticed – is that, you know, I, I, you know, I consulted stats. I, I looked at, you know, some other places for jumping off points. And, you know, this, it's probably my list I've noticed, especially with a game that's as statistically driven as baseball, you're not going to get a whole lot of deviation from what you kind of see, you know, some of the other experts pick. Um, but, you know, this is going to be my team. Uh, we'll go right through it here. Starting off at the catcher position, you know, it was tough. It was between two. It was between Yachty and uh, Yachty or Molina for the St. Louis Cardinals, and it was between uh, and it was between Buster Posey for the San Francisco Giants. And I originally said Buster Posey. I said, "Hey, you know, because I'm kind of going off the same criteria that I went off of uh, for uh, the NFL, where I was like, there's three kind of things. Like, what have you done in the league statistically? You know, what did you match up that way? And then, you know, how many titles have you won, which it's not all about titles, it's not the NBA, but at the same time, those are important. And then basically, you know, are you, like, how how well-known, like, you know, how, not really well-known, but you know what I mean? There's, like, that, you know, intangible, you know, uh, you know, face of the franchise kind of deal as well. You know, how much have you meant to the game as a whole? So, for me, you know, Yachty's good on that point. Um, as far as, you know, being that way, but I was like, Buster Posey was won three titles, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's, you know, been a bit dominant catcher in the league. And then I was like, well, but statistically, uh, Yadier Molina might be a better catcher 
And, you know, when you look at catchers that have been kind of icons this decade, it's between him and Posey. So maybe I lean Yachty a little bit more because we're not championship driven. But then I did look at the stats and Buster Posey, I mean, has, you know, a, a, an, an, an NL MVP. He's got a, uh, you know, he's got, you know, silver sluggers, gold gloves. He's got, um, you know, he's got a rookie of the year honors. He's been to all-star games. I mean, Yachty has as well, but, you know, Yachty doesn't have an MVP. Yachty doesn't, uh, you know, have, you know, that same kind of, uh, you know, record book to go along with how statistically good he's been. So, for me, it's Buster Posey um, 100%. Uh, then at first base, um, this, is the, this is really the one position that I was like, oh, I didn't know what to do because originally I wanted to, I wanted to say Anthony Rizzo because I looked at – you know, I looked at first baseman of the one World Series. Uh, it's been a whole different, you know, names. You know, go, it's, you know, you, you throw like Eric Hosmer in there. You throw, you know, Steve Pearson, Mitch Moreland in there from the Red Sox. You throw, um, you know, different guys. in Yuli Gurriel from the Astros. I was like, none of these guys, you know. There's a name. Yeah, none of these guys really jump off the board for me. And I was like, so is it Anthony Rizzo by default? I mean, he's been – good statistically he's made all-star games um but I mean you look at the decade that Joey Votto I mean you want to talk about consistency Joey Votto has been so consistent he won the 2010 MVP he's been to all-star games he's won silver sluggers and gold gloves um and he's been just so consistent he not only has consistently hit for power he's consistently hit for average as well I know last year he kind of fell off a little bit but that doesn't take away from a heck of a decade that he has so easily. First baseman uh, is Joey Votto for me. Second base might raise some – well, I don't know if it will raise some eyebrows, but definitely, I mean, you could have gone a couple different ways here. I just went with Jose Altuve. I mean, you know, he's got the, the uh, you know, 2015 MVP, I think is the year that he won MVP. He's got, um, you know – four 200 hit seasons he's consistently and a lot of and the thing is too he was again back to the point about the Astros they were a good team before the whole scandal broke I mean you know in 2015 helped get that team to the playoffs I mean he was hitting well before because remember that whole thing got you know the whole you know videotape hitting you know hitting the trash can that whole started in 2017 I mean this was a good team in 2015 so um you know Jose Altuve was a big part of that. So he was an easy choice for me. I mean, there's a couple of different ways you could have gone, but Jose Altuve is the second baseman for me. Third base, <clears throat> another spot where I was like, ah, could I go Chris Bryant? I could go Adrian Beltre. I could go a couple of different ways. I could try to shoehorn the Cubs in there somehow with Bryant, all that kind of stuff. Well, do I go Manny Machado? But you look at Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado has been in the season or has been in the league for seven seasons and all seven seasons. He's won the gold glove at third base. He's made all-star games. He, you know, has he been an MVP? No. And Chris Bryant has, and has also been a rookie of the year, but at the same time, I mean, he won, you know, a guy who not only hits for average hits for power, but also is the best defensive third baseman every single year he's been in the league, Nolan Arenado. So, uh, you know, it turned out to be a much easier choice for me there. Shortstop, was tough because you know there's not there's not guys at shortstop that have been in the league either 
they've been in the league for the first half of the 2010s and whatever they did like after 2015, they tailed off or they've been in the league since 2015 and been good since. I thought about Javier Baez, uh, but he's only had really the one season where he contended for all-star. I mean, he's been good other seasons, but he just had the one in 2018 where he contended for MVP. MVP. I know I said all-star, I meant MVP. Um, and then you've got Troy Tillowitzki, who had a great first half of the 2010s, but he tailed off. Uh, I ultimately went with Francisco Lindor, who has been one of the faces of baseball, really, you know, since he's come up into the league. You know, we talk about a lot of the young shortstops. Um, he's definitely been, you know, one that's at the top of the list um, in the league. You know, he's won gold gloves. He's got two silver sluggers. Um, you know, and he's only been in the major since 2015. So he's incredible. He's, you know, arguably the best uh, shortstop in baseball at the moment. Uh, so I went with uh, Francisco Lindor to wrap out to wrap up the infield. Then uh, for the outfield, um, I've got, I mean, Mike Trout, obviously, you know, MVP, you know, silver slugger, five-tool athlete, best player uh, on the planet right now. Uh, so easy choice for for the outfield. I I didn't know I you know you bring up Mookie Betts and you know he's he's also won an MVP. Um, but I was like he's only been in the league since like 2014. So I mean he only was around for half the decade. I mean you could easily slot him in for the 2020s as a player of the decade. Uh, but I was like you know what he's still done enough. You know he helped put that Red Sox team on his back to win the World Series. He's won, you know, the 2018 MVP. He's arguably one of the best players in baseball right now. I mean, you know, when you're one of the best players in baseball, um, you know, you're going to get touted as as one of the best of the decade as well. He did enough, in my opinion. Um, and then rounding out the outfield, I've got Andrew McCutcheon. Um, Andrew McCutcheon is Larry Fitzgerald to me as far as, you know, He's, he, does he have the accolades? Yes, but he's also done it over a longer period of time. Um, you could throw in Giancarlo Stanton, but he's mainly been, um, you know, power. You know, I mean, he's been good, but he's, you know, what he brings to the table is power. Um, Bryce Harper, I think if, if he was, I mean, he does have the 2015 MVP but if he had lived up to the hype and even the slightest, I mean, he's been good. He's been solid, but, and I, and I know he was kind of compared to trout and I think that's kind of what takes away from what he has done, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I, Tr Bryce Harper was kind of fringe for me. And then I thought about Jose Bautista and, and what he was able to do, but I was, but I was like, again, like, yes, Jose Bautista may have done a, maybe a smidgen more than Andrew McCutcheon, but again, tailed off towards the end of the decade, whereas Andrew McCutcheon has been good since like 2012, 2013, when he really kind of broke into the league. So um, had to go with Andrew McCutcheon there as my final outfielder. Uh, DH, Nelson Cruz, he's mashed no matter where he's been. He's, you know, he's played for the Mariners. He's played for the Rangers. He's played for the Orioles. He's played uh, for the Twins now, and he's done nothing but just crush baseballs over the outfield wall. Uh, easy choice for Nelson Cruz there. Um, and then uh, we only, we're only going to pick two pitchers, uh, one starter, one reliever. Uh, for me, starter, you could go a bunch of different ways. You could go Scherzer, you could go Kershaw, you could go Mad Bum, you could go Granky, you could go Sale. For me, I'm going to go Justin Verlander. Um, and it's because 
again, you look at the t- total body of work of the decade. Yeah, he had a bad kind of, you know, 2015 to 16. Um, but, you know, he has been just incredible. I mean, you talk about a triple crown that he's won. He's won a triple crown. He's won Cy Young. He's won MVP. He's been to all-star games. He's won a World Series. I mean, the man has done it all. And, you know, basically at the point where you could have said, like, hey, maybe he's starting to tail off a little bit. He recaptured his magic at the end of 2016, carried that into a 2017 World Championship. Because, again, it was the hitters that were cheating. It wasn't the pitchers. So, you know, you can take everything as legit there. And then he's done nothing but dominate ever since that point. He's got another no-hitter under his belt, three in total. Uh, The guy has just been an absolute unit. And then rounding out my team of the decade, I've got Aroldis Chapman as my pitcher. Because, again, over the course of the entire decade, he's been filthy. You could say Kimbrell, but, again, Kimbrell kind of tailed off. Jansen kind of, you know, sparked up around 2015 um, and and kind of had a rough year last year. So he hasn't been as complete as Chapman. Neither has Kimbrell. Um, You look at the top three relievers of the decade. Those are the three. But I think – the one that's been the most complete and dominant is Aroldis Chapman. So that's why I'm picking him as my closer of the decade. So rounding out the team, I've got uh, Buster Posey at catcher, Joey Votto at first, Jose Altuve at second. Uh, uh, I've got Nolan Arenado at third, Francisco Lindor at short. My outfield is Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Andrew McCutcheon. Then DH, Nelson Cruz, starter Justin Verlander, and my reliever is Aroldis Chapman. All right, so for me – Buster Posey's my catcher as well. I mean, this guy was an all-star 2012, 2013, then 2015 to 2018. He's the 2010 Rookie of the Year, 2012 MVP, Silver Slugger in 2012, 14, 15, and 17, and won a gold glove in 2016. I mean, he boasts a, uh, a career batting average of .302. I mean, that just anything over, I mean, over three, that's that's pretty impressive with 140 home runs and 673 RBIs. I mean, he's just been the most, one of the most consistent players uh, at that position. I feel like first base, very similar to Craig. I have Joey Votto Um, all-star appearances for him in 2010 through 2013. And then, then again in 17 and 18, he won the 2010 MVP and also won a gold glove that year as well. Uh, career batting average of .306 with uh, 231 career home runs and 759 RBIs. I mean, he's just a bit of a machine, and he's going to continue that on. So that's that's awesome. Second base, I have Robinson Cano. He was an all-star in 2010 through 2014, and again in 2016 and 17. He won Silver Slugger Awards 2010 through 2013 won gold gloves in both 2010 and 2012, a career batting average of an even 300, um, 237 career home runs and 878 RBIs. So, you know, he know, he knows how to hit the ball uh, pretty well. Third base, I have Josh Donaldson, um, MVP in 2015, all-star appearances in 2014 through 2016, silver sluggers in 15 and 16, um, career batting average of 0.272. I know it's a little bit, it's below the three threshold, but um, he knows how to, he, he's, a, he's a power hitter uh, with 219 career home runs and 645 RBIs. Um, 
And also, if you look at the fact that Josh Donaldson, a lot of the times, has played for just kind of middle of the pack teams, he's had a pretty impressive career. I mean, the year that he won MVP, I mean, the the Blue Jays were were actually really good that that season. So that that's that's something right there. Just the fact that he, you know, he's never been on a true cont- title contender, but yet has been one of the best players uh, year after year. Shortstop, I have Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, he had all-star appearances 2010 and 11, and again in 2013 uh, through 2015. He won silver sluggers in t- uh, t- 2010 and 2011, plus gold gloves those years as well. He boasts a career batting average of 293 with 160 career home runs and 537 RBIs. Um, by the way, this team that I'm naming, um, if this was an actual team, I feel like they would win the World Series just about every year. Because <laughs> um, I did when I put the team together, I didn't initially know we were doing only one pitcher, one starting pitcher and one relief pitcher. Um, so I actually built like a full team, but I'm only going to give one pitcher. Uh, one starter. Well, and one remember, player. Donaldson and uh, Tulowitzki were on the same team in the Blue Jays for That's a true. while. That is true. Uh, so let's let's move on now to the outfield. The first one, uh, this was this one's kind of a no brainer. Um, is Mike Trout? Uh, he, you know, he's been around much longer than you than you think. I feel like Mike Trout. You know, you just started hearing about him not all that long ago. But, I mean, he's been around since 2011. I mean, that's nine years. That, that's a pretty long, pretty long time. In that span, he uh, has been an all-star uh, all, every year but one, 2012 through 2019. He's been, he's been named to the all-star team. He was a 2012 Rookie of the Year. He's won multiple MVPs in 2014, 2016, and again in 2019. Silver Sluggers, I mean, pretty much almost every season he gets a Silver Slugger. Uh, the only year that he has not was uh, 20 – the only years he has not is 2011, and when it was kind of a shortened season for him, he wasn't, a, wasn't considered his full rookie year, by the way, then. But 2011 and 2017, those are the only years that he has not won a Silver Slugger. So that's pretty impressive. He right now currently boasts a, a career batting average of .305, uh, 285 career home runs, and 752 RBIs and counting for him. This one is – I kind of – this next one for me is a little bit more of a, a homer pick, I guess, and not like a Red Sox homer pick, but a local homer pick. Um, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, you know, he came up through the Indianapolis Indians and everything. Um, you know, he's been voted, he's been named an all-star 2011 through 2015. He won the MVP in 2013. Um, this guy, I mean, he's just kind of, he's just been a very consistent, solid career. He's never been like a guy that's going to crush the ball. But even though he, even though I say that he has won silver sluggers in 2012 through 2015, and then he also won a gold glove in 2012. Um, he is kind of nearing the back end of his career a little bit, but he's still one of those players that I, I love watching him play. Uh, he, just, he just plays the game of baseball so well. Uh, he ho- boasts a career batting average of 286, uh, tw- 221 career home runs, 765 RBIs. Now here's the homer in me a little bit. I can't really say that anymore, but Mookie Betts. Got to have him in my outfield. Um, 
mostly because not because of his defensive abilities, but because of just being an all around player. Um, if I was going just off of like trying to build a team off of with the defensive abilities, obviously Jackie Bradley Jr. would have been on there. But Mookie is one of those guys that you're going to want to build your team around a guy like this. I mean, he's young and he seems just to get better every year. Uh, he won MVP in 2018. Um, he's been named to the all-star team in 2016 through 2019. He's won gold gloves those same years. Uh, he also re- received silver sluggers in 2016, 2018, and 2019. Currently he boasts a career batting average of 301 uh, with 139 career home runs and 470 RBIs. My DH, I am going with Nelson Cruz at DH. Um, Nelson Cruz has had himself a, a rather lengthy and a rather nice career hitting the ball. Uh, All-Star 2013 through 2015 and again 2017 and 18. He's won Silver Sluggers in 15, 17, and 19. He currently boasts a career batting average of 281 with 346 career home runs and 961 RBIs. So, you know, like I said, he's made a nice career of hitting, of just smashing the ball. Um, I am going with my starting pitcher. I am going with Justin Verlander as well, mostly because the thing that stands out with him the most is the fact that he did win the MVP in 2011. And that is very uncommon to see a, a starting pitcher win the MVP. But he was just so dominant in 2011. Um, obviously, he won the MVP and the Cy Young that year. He won another Cy Young in 2019, all-star appearances in 2010 through 2013. And then he had those few down years there in between um, where the, you know, even the Tigers had some struggles during those years. And then he got back into the all-star game again in 2018 and 2019. Uh, currently he boasts a career ERA of 3.1, um, with 160 career wins to 86 career losses. So, you know, the Justin Verlander is one of those guys that for a while he, you didn't, you early on, you didn't want to see him. Then it went through a period of time where you're like, okay, maybe he's lost it. But now that he's back on a, a winning team again and just, you know, he's a, he's a proven winner. And sometimes when you are a proven winner, you're on a team that just is struggling to win no matter what you do. And that can bring you down a little bit. And that obviously that's what happened with Verlander. I mean, he was stuck on a Tigers team that was just going nowhere. And that, that can be mentally taxing. So to get into a new situation with the Houston Astros and their, you know, them winning and everything, that really kind of rejuvenated his career. And I was, really, I was really happy to see that for him. And then my relief pitcher, um, I'm actually going with Craig Kimbrell. Um, I mean, when you, look at, when you look at like championships and everything, Craig Kimbrell has one and so does Aroldis Chapman. Well, I mean, I'm going with Kimbrell based off of statistics. Mostly because um, Kimbrell didn't look the greatest in the World Series with the Red Sox. A matter of fact, they decided to not use him in the deciding game. Uh, they went with uh, Chris Sale instead to close out the game against the Dodgers. So that that kind of says something um, about where where he was in where he kind of stood at that point in time. But he does have 346 career saves and an ERA of 2.09, whereas compared to Aroldis Chapman, Aroldis Chapman only has 273 career saves. I mean, 
they're, I mean, they're pretty much equal in age and how long they've been playing. I mean, basically it's exactly the same as, as far as them playing, playing time and everything. And then a role Chapman's career ERA is 2.24. So I, I went with Kimbrell because Kimbrell does have more than just a, a fire pitch. I mean, and I say that about Aroldis Chapman because, I mean, Aroldis Chapman, his thing was he got into the he came into the league and was throwing over 100 miles an hour, which is very, very impressive. So it came down to those two. I mean, when I said I filled out a full roster here, Aroldis Chapman is on my list, but just when I have to pick one, um, I'm going to go with Craig Kimbrell mostly because of just the those statistics that I, I mentioned of the career saves and the career ERA. I mean, and yeah, I mean, all of those names that you listed, I mean, are names that like you could easily interchange them with mine and you would still have a stacked team. So I ne- definitely no wrong choices there. Uh, Cause yeah, those are guys that I grappled with as well. So, I mean, just a lot of fantastic players that are even some of which are going to be fun to watch even as we enter a new decade as well. So really excited I, to see that. I even looked at a guy like Mariano Rivera. I know it was early, early in the decade, but you have to remember those players also from early in the decade. Yeah, it was on the back end of his career, and maybe he wasn't as dominant as he was in the uh, earlier part of the 2000s. But, I mean, he put up some impressive numbers in a short amount of time since 2010, um, even as his career was starting to decline. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. We thank everybody uh, who watched on YouTube in this initial uh, live uh, broadcast. We also um, you know, thank you guys for listening on Anchor as well. Remember, you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter, Crash Course Podcast on Facebook, um, Crash Course uh, or uh, Anchor.fm slash Crash Course on Anchor. Uh, you can hear us every Tuesday wherever podcasts can be heard on Google uh, Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you name it, we're going to be there. Um, and then, yeah, our YouTube channel, if you're listening to it on the audio portion, uh, head on over there. We are going to broadcast live uh, when we record every Monday, so uh, make sure you guys are there. Um, you know, because, it, you know, we want to take this new adventure with you guys, and we're excited to bring it to you. So um, head on over there to Crash Course Podcast on YouTube and hit that subscribe button and those, the notification bell um, so that way you know whenever we do go live. So that will do it for this week. Next week, we're going to do the same thing, but for the NBA as they get set to go um, in the bubble. Um, So that will be uh, a fun thing to get into as well. So that will do it. Until then, have a good week, everybody.